Send it. Welcome to the Freedom Show, the freedom to talk about whatever you want. I'm your host, Danny Savage. Tonight, we have a special guest, Sandra, from the island of Hawaii. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about her journey, and what she's been through, give us some good source of inspiration, give us some guidance on what happens when you hit that rock at the bottom, how to get up out of that rock, and what she did and what her inspiration was. So, Sandra, yeah, how are you doing? You. I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for being part of the show. Yeah, I'm excited. All right. So, so yeah. So, go ahead and introduce yourself. Like, just tell us a little bit about, about yourself, like where you came from, like what, what your journey kind of was. What what was the factors that led to you hitting rock bottom? First of all, how's Hawaii? Um, okay, so my name is uh, Sandra. I was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area um, my whole life. And um, I'm currently in Hawaii helping my mom, who is uh, retired here. So I'm on the island of Oahu in the west side. And, um, you, know, I've, you know, I've been sober for five years now. Um, I hit a lot of bottoms with my addiction. Um, it wasn't just one particular thing. Um, there was a lot of things that were kind of piling up and piling up and, and I was overlooking, um, you know, putting my loved ones in danger, you know, and I'm driving around drunk with loved ones in the car and not even like thinking it was a big deal to get a DUI because I never got one, thank God, but it doesn't mean, you know, I couldn't have hurt myself or someone else, you know, so I definitely hit a couple. <laughs> Rock what, what was before. what was what was like your what was your what made you become addicted to things? Was it just a lifestyle, or is there other factors that said you know just forget it? Um, both of you know they say it's genetic. Uh, I believe it's genetic. You know that's that's um you know some some people don't, but both of my parents were like full bone alcoholics mom, dad, grandpa, grandma on both sides, aunts and uncles on both sides. I mean, I'm Mexican and Scottish. So, like, <laughs> the joke about my brother and I was like, oh, they're already alcoholics. You, all we have to do is just add the alcohol. You know, when we were kids, it was like, <laughs> but my brother got the, you know, he was able to control it and be like the social drinker. And, um, you know, I never drank at work and because I was raising my son on my own. And I really needed that job and that security to be able to provide for my son. But, you know, I would, I would come home and get smashed every night and think it was like a normal thing, you know, and that went on for years. But I think um, rock bottom for me was when my heart literally stopped and I fell to the floor. And at the time my son was 17 years old and she had to call 911 and I was paralyzed. I couldn't move my body. I couldn't talk to the EMTs. And um, I had full-blown pancreatitis. I had congestive heart failure, kidney failure, um, liver failure. I was very close to dying. And this was just alcohol. Wow. So you were, <laughs> so you were like in the fast lane, and then you just hit that brick wall. 
Yeah, definitely. Wow. I was um, in, in ICU for about 15 days, and I don't even remember any of the time I was there. <laughs> All I know is that apparently it took like eight guys to hold me down. That's what I was told because I was like so crazy, you know. Um, but I was still fighting it. I was still fighting it, thinking that I could handle this addiction, you know. And my family was like, no, we're going to send you to residential. And, you know, I went to an amazing residential in um, Santa Cruz. And I was there for 45 days. And I think, you know, really getting to the root of my addiction and talking to counselors and figuring out why I was doing the things I was doing and, you know, continuing these patterns and what happened and what were these issues and being able to open up and realize, wow, this started like way back as a young, young kid, you know, drinking 40s, you know, <laughs> back then because I'm old, but... <laughs> Right, it was, know, like, it, it was like it was like one of those socially accepted things. Like you just kind of ran around, been a little rebellious kid, and oh that's yeah, where, yeah, definitely. you know. And and my dad was a really well known um, San Francisco muralist, so you know we were always at gallery openings and like drinking the wine and everything, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it definitely the residential. You know, most people are like, ah, oh, residential, I don't want to go. You know, and I was one of those people kicking and screaming, like, I'm not going. And my brother picked me up and put me in the damn car. And he's like, you're going. And we drove there. And like I said, I was there for, for a while. And talking to people and realizing where the root of my my addiction was and where it came from really, really helped me. Because I was internalizing a lot of issues from my childhood. And just, I was angry. And when I drank, I was even angrier. And I was throwing across the room. <laughs> and it wasn't a good look, you know, <laughs> at all, especially with this, with a young son. Right. I, th I think it's a lot of us. I think, uh, you know, you drank and either you're a happy drunk or you're yeah. an angry drunk. Yeah. So. And I'm definitely the angry one. And, you know, it's like I went, I went to a couple outpatient programs before that and I got the certificate for 30 days and they handed it to me and I went right to the, to the liquor store and drank. You know, because I was like, they would ask me, why do you want sobriety? And I would say, for my son. I want to be the best mom I could be. Always, I had my son's picture in my binder with all the sobriety classes all day long, outpatient. But then when I went to residential, they asked me, why do you want to be sober? And for the first time in my life, I said, because I want to be a better person. I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this to, you know learn about myself and heal and not put people that I love in danger and not hurt people that I love, you know, and this is for me. And that's, that, that really stayed with me, you know, in residential. And when I got out, I was terrified. You know, it was like, I was blocking all the doors, didn't want to socialize with anybody because I didn't know how to handle, you know, like the outside world because it's safe there, you know? And I thought, you know what, Sandra, like, what do you love? Because you're constantly thinking about this addiction. It's running through your brain, like, constantly, you know, like a movie, just the, the drink, the drug, whatever. And I was like, I have to turn this off, this obsession off. How can I do that? What's something that makes you really happy? And I was like, okay, I love fighting. I love, you know, sparring. And, you know, but I was like more of like a street fighter, 
<laughs> right, right. Yeah. You know? Like a Kimbo Slice type fight. Yeah, like like sloppy <laughs> and all over the place. <laughs> but, you know, I was strong. And I was like, okay, I want to learn how to be, you know, a boxer, a real boxer. I want to learn the footwork. I want to learn the technique, the passion that drives them. And I walked, my son was actually working um, at an MMA gym in um, Mountain View at the time, uh, COA, and that's where I trained. And I walked in and I met my coach and he's like, okay, show me what you got. And I did. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I wasn't even allowed to put my gloves on for three months because I had to learn the footwork, you know, and that brought back so much like passion and happiness in my life. You know, it was like, I was high when I was at the gym sparring, you know, I wasn't, I didn't need a drug. I didn't need a drink. I was just on fire, but I was sober. Right. It sounds like you were like channeling your energy, like all that, the things that you were holding in from childhood and un unacknowledged issues. It just sounds like you're holding all that in. And then you turn yeah. from being, having that release from alcohol and a really fast lifestyle to finding a healthier release, but it sounds like you're getting to the point in your journey where now you're going to start discovering what those issues were and are that you're yeah. able to overcome. Cause it sounds like, man, it was crazy. Cause you're like, you're trying to get help, but being a mom wasn't enough of a motivating factor to stay disciplined and stay focused. So now you finally did and say, Hey, I need to do this for me because at the end of the yeah. day, you can want somebody to change all day long. And I'm sure your son and your family and your friends want that good, healthy change for you. And no matter what they did, you're never going to change. They say, Hey, I want this change for myself. So you got yeah. that, you hit that point. And then now you're finding you found MMA and sparring and fighting as another release. Wow. This is really interesting. So yeah, yeah go ahead. Continue. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I was like, I was on fire, you know, and I was sparring with like guys who were like six two and getting like my lips cut and I was like, Oh, I love it. Like this is <laughs> this is great. And it was like a like better than any drug, like I said, any drink, anything. I you know, my coaches were like laughing at me because they're like, Oh, she gets so excited, it's the adrenaline rush and I was like, This feels so good, you have no idea. I'm like sober and I feel so good. I feel high, but I'm sober, you know? And so um I trained at a MMA gym boxing um, for four, almost five years. And then I actually damaged my left arm pretty bad in a fight and I tore all the nerves. So I had to have surgery and I was out for, they said six weeks, but I was like, no, my God, what am I going to do? You know, like panic attack, you know, boxing is who I am. It's like my identity, you know, you can't do this to me, God, but you know, I had to heal up and go back in. But it wasn't the same. You know, I was hurt. I was injured. And I was in pain a lot, honestly. And so I struggled with that. And that was hard because a lot of people would have gone, okay, well, I tried that and it didn't work. So I'm going to go back to my addictions or whatever makes me feel good. But, you know, I stayed in the ring. And for me, it was like, um, if I could put my wraps on and my gloves and shadow box in the mirror or on, you know, one-on-one -on -one freeway, like on the way to work, <laughs> if, if that's all I could do, that was 
going to be enough for me. Just pulling random, just pulling out like random taxi drivers, Uber guys, like get out of the car now. (laughs) I need to fight somebody. What did I do? You were drinking the wrong Coke and the (laughs) Pepsi. It should be Dr. Pepper. You're wrong. Get out here. (laughs) You know, it's funny because my friends are like, Oh, do you picture like your ex-husband on the, you know, on the bag? I was like, no, (laughs) all of that stuff goes away when I walk into that MMA gym. Like it's my church. I go to mass when I train, you know, (laughs) it's like all of that just disappears for me. Right. Yeah. And so when I injured myself, that was difficult. I went, you know, through some depression and I was still in the ring, but I was carrying ligaments left and right. And I was like, Oh, come on. Like, you know, and, uh, my first coach actually gave me the name Southpaw because he was like, show me your jab, you know? And I, and I jabbed with my right. And he's like, okay, you're a Southpaw. And I was like, I'm a what? Like, <laughs> yeah, like what? Like what? <laughs> what does that mean? I didn't even know at the time, you know, but he, you know, explained and, it's funny because during like sparring, nobody wanted to spar with me because they're like, Oh, I don't know how to spar with the South Tom. Like, come on people. <laughs> I need to practice too. So you start driving down yeah. the freeway, looking for the next Uber victim. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but, you know, but you know what? It was like, it was a good, like a happy thing for me. I wasn't angry anymore. Like I was when I was drinking, you know? And I was like, like I said, I was on fire. I was smiling and throwing punches at you. you know? hey, that's the, that's even the crazier part. Cause how can you really fight somebody who's laughing and smiling at you? Like, Oh yeah. I just wanted an iced latte. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I could do it all day. It's like, you know, my exes are like, stop beating up men. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. Cause I'm hey, oh, y'all got this problem. This, this guy won't leave me alone. I need you to come through. I get a lot of that, yeah, from my nieces. I have two beautiful nieces <laughs> in their 20s, and they're like, Auntie, can you handle this? <laughs> this guy <laughs> stood me answer. up. Don't worry. I'll get the Uber driver right now. Yeah, I'm like the Sopranos. Like, I'm on my way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll, you know, keep it on the DL, but I'm on my way. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, like, I, uh, like I said, um. I stayed in the ring, but I was in a lot of pain. So I was like, I went through, you know, some depression because honestly, I wasn't the fighter anymore that I wasn't that southpaw, that strong southpaw that, you know, my coaches were like trying to get me fights and possibly talking to me about, you know, becoming pro. And that was not an option anymore because of my injuries. And so I went through, you know, some, some depression and I thought, Okay, again, <laughs> Southpaw, what makes you happy? And I teach for a living, you know, so children have always been my love. But I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm going to take the time that I have in this beautiful, you know, on this beautiful island, you know, of Hawaii in Oahu. And I think I'm going to pick up a camera. Because, you know, my son is a very talented uh, photographer and videographer and um he inspires me a lot with his work. And I was like, I'm never going to be as good as you. And he's like, no mom, just shoot, shoot everything around you, everything. And don't worry about what's in your side, just shoot. And he actually sent me my first um, rebel, uh, Canon rebel camera 
that I've ever owned. You know, he's like, it's a newbie camera. You know, it's all good. It's easy to use, mom. <laughs> he's just like, just shoot, shoot, shoot. And I did. And I would, I'm so grateful to say that photography brought a fire back into my life. The boxing, you know, that I wasn't getting from fighting due to the injuries. Right. And now I'm on fire again, but I'm holding a camera instead of a glove. But I'm so helpful. Wow, that's so that's so amazing. During your time when you were told like, hey, you're not going to be able to come back to the MMA gym, you're not going to be able to fight or spar, you kind of felt that sense of what am I going to do? You felt lost wow. again. What stopped you from turning back or relapsing or going back to the that old lifestyle that you worked so hard to get out of? I think a lot of, um, you know, I, I went to a 12-step program, and one of the things they say in a 12-step in a program is when you want that drink or that drug, play, play the tape. And play the tape means remember the things that are going to happen when you pick that, that, that drug up or that drink up. Because you know that it's not going to be one. It's going to be, you know, probably a whole lot. And remind yourself of, you know, certain things that have happened, play the tape. And you remember like, wow, you know, I don't want to be that person anymore. I just was like tired of being that person, that angry, mean person that just wanted to hurt people. Like I'm a, I'm a teacher, <laughs> you know, I teach kindergarten kids. So yeah, I was just tired of being that version of, of myself. And I wanted to better myself, like I said, for me, you know, cause then if I could be the best version of me, I could be the best version, you know, of myself for my whole family, and they're all going to benefit from it. I could be the best mom, the best auntie, everything, if I'm sober, you know? Right. No, you're you're absolutely right. You know your story, and I would definitely want to do a podcast in the future just to get more in-depth oh, on you. things, you know, to help the listeners and help people who are looking for Others, because the thing about it is when you're in that dark place, you feel so alone and you start thinking, hey, am I the only one going through these things? Am I the only one struggling? Am I the only one with having an, oh, an yeah. addiction? Am I the and it feels so dark and it's so lonely and it's so isolated, you know, that the, is, for sure. the, the big step into not just overcoming is just finding other people to gain strength from others who have been down that valley, others who have climbed up out of it. And I think that's the big part and the huge inspirational part in your part is that you not only like figured things out and climbed up out of it, now you're on top and you're reaching down, helping whoever and I'm, however. Yeah, I'm helping a lot of, a lot of newcomers um, call me up. I have, you know, my friends that, that are like on the edge, you know, that's what it's called. Well, call me up in the middle of the night and I'll, I'll talk them through it, you know. And, you know, it's just hearing my story and how my heart stopped in front of my son, you know, just because, and I thought I didn't have a problem. Like, obviously I had a problem, but it was just denial, denial, you know? And when I was able to get sober and see clearly, like my son um, also does uh, martial arts, he's into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So I never missed a match, you know? And when I was, drinking, I would like, you know, 
I would grapple with him, all like silly and stuff. <laughs> and when I was sober, like my eyes were like wide open, as corny as that sounds. Like I could see for the first time. And I was like, wow, I missed a lot. And I don't want that. I don't want to miss anything else in this world or seeing my son just graduated from San Jose State, you know, and he has a degree in filmmaking and he's doing amazing things, you know, and I don't want to miss that being all loaded. I want to see that clearly and be proud. Right. That's, that's, and I'm, I'm yeah, able to do that. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's huge. And, I, you know, Sandra Southpaw, hey, I really appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing and giving us a brief glimpse into what your journey was and is and what you're going through. And it's just a huge source of inspiration. I know when we were talking that you were just like, you know, I don't know if this is going to inspire or help out people, whether it's one person and who knows, this could inspire hundreds of other people or thousands of other people. The thing about it is just getting, getting your story out there and letting the listeners and letting everybody know, like, listen, this we're on this world. We're on this blue planet together and we can have unity through things. It doesn't matter what your walk of life was, the mistakes you made or, you know, whatever the issues are, they're all of our issues and we can support each other and get through things and become better, not just as an individual independently, but also as a whole, as a, as a species, yeah, as a community. you know, a community, yeah. the world, you know, it's, and that's, that's essential. So yeah, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for your time. You for I appreciate you. And uh, I appreciate you as well. Yes, of course. Thank you, everybody. This is Sandra yeah. and this is Southpaw. She's from Hawaii. <laughs> and uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. This is Danny Savage and Freedom Show.